So we've got Acts 28, the first 16 verses. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighbourhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honoured us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in this island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regia. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Thanks, Caitlin. Uh, I'm not sure what you saw on your screens at home. Uh, here we had a frozen picture of me. Uh, so I do apologize that you were subjected to that uh, during the Bible reading. Uh, but hopefully you picked it up uh, as we, uh, as Caitlin read, and uh, we will uh, be referring to this passage as we make our way through. So it'll be a really good idea to keep your Bible open there. Uh, in the e-news that was sent out, uh, there were links to both a sermon outline and a kid sheet. So hopefully you've had an opportunity to print some of those out for this morning and help follow along. Uh, really want to encourage us uh, to do what we can to keep focus while we, while we sit at home and participate in Sunday worship. Uh, at the bottom of the sermon outline, there are some discussion questions. Uh, I know some growth groups will use that this week or, or, or ones like them. Uh, you might want to use that in your family. You might want to use that in yourself to go uh, a little bit deeper this morning. Well, I wonder uh, what it is that you find to be particularly refreshing, what you find to be rejuvenating, what you find lift your spirits. Uh, maybe for you, it's on a hot day when uh, you go down to the beach and the sun is baking. It's out there today, but maybe not quite so hot. But the sun is baking and you get to slip into that cool, uh, clear water. Maybe you find that really refreshing. Or maybe it's on a hot day when, when you get given a, a cold drink. Uh, it really quenches your thirst. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a really good night's sleep. When you wake up in the morning and you, you slept the whole night through and for a long time you just feel refreshed and, 
rejuvenated, like you can take on the world. Maybe it's, it's a really good meal when you're really hungry. Maybe you find the weekend after a busy week, a, a time to renew, to refresh, to, to relax. Or maybe you look forward to that time of holiday or annual leave where you get away, preferably somewhere warm and somewhere away from a lockdown. Well, this morning we are looking at a passage that has a lot about refreshment in it. It's a little bit of a transition passage. Uh, another one of those in Acts where Paul continues to journey along. And this time, finally, uh, by verse 16, Paul has made it to Rome. And that's where the book ends, and that's where we're going to be wrapping up, Lord willing, next Sunday. But as he makes his way there, I want to highlight this theme uh, that comes through in these 16 verses, and that is the way that the Lord refreshes Paul on that journey. See, one of the things that we've seen as we've made our way through this book is that the work of the gospel, the work of ministry, uh, the work of serving others, of encouraging people, that work is hard work. It's rewarding work, of course, but at the same time, it can be very demanding. We just think about the, the, the chapters that we've covered uh, since Paul arrived in Jerusalem. Uh, during that time, he has been beaten, uh, arrested, uh, falsely accused. Uh, he stood up in numerous trials to give a defense of his faith, and he spent an awful lot of time in prison. That's two and a half years' work. And then if we just think about what we looked at last week, that month-long journey on the ocean, the last two weeks of it, on board a ship that was out of control and in danger of sinking. We can certainly imagine a missionary at this point who was weary and tired and in need of rest. Now, I don't want to suggest that, that we, of course, all can make a direct comparison with what Paul has been through, at least not most of us. But I think that we also know some of the impact that ministry work, that church life and ministry to one another can have on us. It's rewarding, yes, but it can also be demanding. For some of that, that comes because we serve in demanding ways. And I'm not just talking about those who are in full-time ministry, but if we do a full-time job or a, or a full-time parenting gig and then we, we serve in a, in a ministry that takes us in a weekly way, it can feel like we, we never get a break, and it's, it's always on our minds. For some of, that, some of us, it's because of the emotional burden we carry for one another. We, we, we love each other. We love people who are, who are burdened, who are, who are struggling with maybe their relationships or their own walk with the Lord or their own health. Maybe we just carry a general sense of burden for the life of the church here at South Bay. Even our own personal walk can be demanding and wearying. The battles against the sin, the, uh, the, the struggles to maintain good, healthy Christian disciplines. And so while we might not have all the same experiences, I think most of us can identify with the reality. And maybe for some of us this morning, it's a very present reality. 
We feel weary, tired, and worn out. So let's dive in. And as we go through, I want to notice two ways in which the Lord refreshes his workers here. The first is in the first 11 verse, 10 verses where we have Paul and his companions on the island of Malta. And then the second as he makes his way on that final journey to Rome. Now we pick up the story here at verse 1, uh, remembering the way that chapter 27 finished. After that night where the, the ship was stuck fast and was breaking apart, we read at the end of chapter 27, and we were all brought safely to land. Now, verse 1 sort of picks that up immediately. After we were brought safely through, they learn that the place where they have landed is the island of Malta. Now, they are going to be there three months during that time. And there is a theme that Paul Luke highlights of their stay. But interestingly, it, it's actually not what we might expect it to be. It, it's not Paul's preaching ministry on the island for three months. In fact, we, we don't know whether, Luke, whether Paul preached a sermon at all in that time. Now, from previous examples, we might be assumed that he did. It's not the people who were converted. We don't know if anyone was saved during their time there. And subsequently, unlike other missionary journeys, it, it's not a focus on the church that was planted or elders that were established or people uh, caring for one another in that church. What Luke highlights is the kindness, uh, the hospitality, uh, the honouring and the provision that they were given on the island. Look, look at how it starts here. It says, verse 2, the native people showed us unusual kindness. Now, that, that word native people uh, is probably uh, a slightly polite way of actually translating what's there. It's actually, in the original, it's the barbarians, uh, people who were referred to who, who didn't speak Greek, uh, who were thought of as kind of uncouth and uncultured. Uh, he says, the barbarians showed us not just kindness, but unusual kindness. They go above and beyond what anybody would expect. And straight away, they, they kindled a fire and they welcomed us all. Now, that theme continues a little bit further down in verse 7. Uh, the chief man of the island hears that they have come. Uh, and he said, Luke says that he uh, received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Now, remember, there, there are more than 270 people on the ship. And yet this guy, obviously, he's got some resources, uh, but he receives them. He looks after them. He is kind to them. And doesn't even finish there. Uh, if you jump down to verse 10, uh, as they're getting ready to leave, uh, they were honoured, uh, they honoured us greatly, and we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Look at this, this, this time here of unusual kindness. Now, interestingly, uh, I want to note something else here. Uh, as we have these three references to kindness, um, each of them are connected with a miracle uh, in some way or another. 
Uh, in the first where Paul refers to their welcoming, their unusual kindness. Uh, Paul is gathering sticks for the fire uh, and a viper jumps out and bites him. Uh, and the native people, they, they, they look at him. Uh, they think that it's evidence that he must be a really bad criminal, probably a murderer. And they wait for him to swell up and die uh, to be confronted by justice. Now, if you notice in your Bibles, the word justice has a capital letter there. And it's not at the start of a sentence. Uh, really, they're thinking that the God justice is going to have her or his uh, revenge on Paul. But interestingly, when he doesn't swell up and he doesn't drop down dead, uh, Paul himself is considered to be the God. Uh, when they are invited into the home of Publius, uh, who is the governor or the chief man of the island, uh, after they are entertained there, uh, Paul is taken to the man's ill father. Uh, and he prays for him, he lays his hand on him, uh, and he heals him. And this gives way to, to the third instance of, of the kindness where they're honoured by all. It comes as a result of an ongoing uh, healing ministry uh, that takes place through Paul on that island. So we notice this, don't we? Uh, God is at work here on the island of Malta. Now, the easy way to see that work is to look at these miraculous incidents. And it's true. The Lord is at work here for the sake of the gospel uh, and for the sake of his people. Uh, throughout Acts, signs and wonders have often accompanied uh, the preaching of the gospel uh, as part of the way that God draws people to himself. But that's not the only way he's at work here. He's refreshing. He's restoring. He's providing for his worn-out and weary workers. Now, as I was uh, prepping this and thinking about application stuff from this passage, I, uh, I came up with a very obvious application from this, very easy one. Uh, all preachers are deserving of a three-month Mediterranean island holiday uh, once every two and a half years. Done, we can just sort of move on from that, can't we? You know that I'm kind of kidding uh, when, when I say that. But, no, I, but I do want to notice this. The Lord knows uh, what his people need. The Lord knows when his people are, are wearied and tired and stressed. The Lord knows that the burdens that we carry uh, for the sake of others and the investment that we make for his name's sake and for the, for the encouragement of others. He knows what we need and all of the resources of heaven and earth are available to him in providing that. He can use whatever means he wants to revive, to rest, to renew his people. You see, it may, it may not seem overly particularly spiritual, simply being shown kindness by barbarians. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a particularly powerful display from God, but it's a part of his provision, his providence for his people. Just like we saw last week, there, when we live in God's world, there are no random encounters, no random events, no good fortune. There is just a sovereign God 
who reigns over everything, who's in charge, who knows us, who knows what we need, and who knows how to supply it. And all of the resources of heaven and earth are at his disposal to do so. So you know how it is when, when you go to bed one night and you're exhausted and you sleep and you sleep long and you sleep well and you wake up feeling refreshed. That's a gift from God. Praise God that he's revived you and refreshed you. You know, when you, you, you need a break or you're just feeling wound up and something seemingly random just sort of comes into your life and you, you just get that break that you need and refreshed and revived, that's God. He's reviving us. He's refreshing us. That good meal, that game of footy where your team wins, unlike last night, that bit of music on the radio, the kindness of people who don't know him, he uses all of it. Now, sure, the Lord uses the more spiritual means as well uh, to refresh our souls. His word, of course, is a, is a source of refreshment and encouragement and renewal. Uh, Worshipping him and doing it together uh, renews our focus on the one who is holy and majestic and awesome. Uh, praying to him unburdens our hearts to him and submits to his will. Uh, that sense of, of peace that we get, uh, ignored, that doesn't seem to make sense in the midst of situations. All of them he uses, and we shouldn't ignore them, and we shouldn't take, make, fail to make use of them. But sometimes he makes use of the mundane and the ordinary, things that we might consider less spiritual as well. In fact, we shouldn't think of them as less spiritual. There is just one world, both with things seen and unseen, and the Lord reigns over both, and he uses both for the sake of his glory and his mission and his people. Maybe you feel uh, quite weary and burdened at the moment. Maybe all of the chopping and changing with restrictions and lockdowns uh, is wearying your soul. You wouldn't be alone. Maybe the burdens of others are weighing on you heavily. Maybe the spiritual condition of your kids or those under your care is just a weight on your soul. Whatever it is, the Lord knows. He knows the burdens that you carry. He knows your labours, your prayers, your cares, and he knows how to provide. Ask him. Ask him to refresh you. Come to him and lay those burdens on him. Look for those ways the normal and the everyday or the spectacular. Look for those ways that he answers our prayers and he gives rest to his people. All right, we want to move on now because Paul himself is moving on. 
that three-month uh, Mediterranean island sabbatical, uh, exemplary one, uh, comes to an end in verse 10. And in verse 11 to 16, we see Paul and his companions on the road again. And finally, they come to Rome. Verse 11, they board a ship. Um, uh, they sail, to, first of all, to Sicily, uh, the island off Italy. Uh, then they sail across the strait uh, into the uh, southern part of Italy and then a little bit further up the coast and they finally come uh, to the town of Catoli. Now look at what we read there in verse 14 because here comes uh, another round of refreshment and we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. Can, can, can you imagine uh, how good that must have been at that point? Uh, after a number of months, time in prison, uh, shipwrecks, the, the months on the island, they get to spend a whole week uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you imagine uh, how good that time would have been? And it doesn't finish there either. As they're about to start off for Rome, uh, we read in verse 15, uh, some of the believers in Rome hear that they are coming. And so they, they, they come down the coast to meet them. Uh, some come uh, about 50 kilometers as far as the forum of, of Apius. Uh, others that go about 70 kilometers to the, to the three taverns to meet Paul so they can accompany him in to Rome. And look at how, look at how Luke puts that, the end of verse 15. On seeing them... Paul thanked God and took courage. You see, I want to suggest that what we see here is a very particular way that the Lord refreshes, renews, and encourages his people. And that is with the fellowship that they share with each other. Spending time with brothers and sisters in Christ, spending time talking, encouraging, praying for each other, talking about the things of life, sharing one another's joys and burdens. How good is it when we get to spend time with our church family, people with whom God has placed us in community, being a blessing to one another and being encouraged by each other? Now, sadly, one of the things that happens when we get stressed and weary and burdened is that we often face a temptation to pull away from the life of the church. So sometimes we might feel that, that, that we don't want to participate because we're afraid that people might demand more of us than we're willing to give. Uh, we think only of what we all have to give. I, I know for myself that there are... There are times where there's a church event and I think, oh, I, I really don't know if I want to go. It's just going to ask more of me. But how often when that happens, afterwards do we think, how good was that? Sometimes there's a need to push ourselves through that. And sometimes there's a need to push ourselves through knowing that the Lord knows what we're capable of and what we need, and he knows how to provide it. 
And so often he does that through his people. It's okay to acknowledge that we need the encouragement that comes from our church family. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of a lack of ability to cope. It's in fact the way that God has designed us and the way that God has designed his family. Sometimes we, we just need to be together and receive and God blesses us and encourages us. And I think that there are many times when we hang out together, the Lord uses us in ways that we will never know. I think there's a lot of times where God uses it and we don't even are aware of it. You see, I think, I wonder whether there is an impact on the distancing uh, that we've had to do over the last 18 months, uh, some impact that's really been felt on us as a church. Long periods of time where we've been unable to see and interact with personally, face-to-face, with our church family. We feel disconnected and it has an impact. And that just, that comes not just because of what we can't do with each other. It comes about because of what we can't do for each other. That mutual encouragement that is such a fundamental part of church life. That's one of the reasons why we long to be together again, because we need this. That's how Christ designed his body, his people, to do this for one another. Now, at the moment, uh, we need to be more creative on how we do this. It's a bit harder, and it doesn't seem to be as immediately beneficial, but we can still keep going, keep engaging with our church family, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, our young people here, keep keep meeting up in your branch youth gatherings and in your kids' club. Hang out with those other young people and those leaders. And in doing that, the Lord will be encouraging you and refreshing you and spurring you on. And when he does that, give thanks to him for it. And maybe, maybe he's going to use you to be an encouragement to someone else. Make an effort to stay connected in your growth groups. I know, Zoom, Zoom, I'm over it. We're all over it. I thank God for it nearly every day. And every day I pray that it'll come to an end. But right now, it's the best that we've got. Pick up the phone. I don't even need to say pick it up because it's already in your hand. But use it for what it's actually intended for. Make a phone call. Talk to someone in the church. Reach out. They need it and you need it. Ask someone how they're going. Check in with them. Pray with each other over the phone. God hears those prayers as well just as much. And keep showing up on Sundays. And as you do that, know 
that you are being a blessing to others. The Lord might just be using you to refresh, to strengthen, to spur on someone else. Because he knows. He knows what we need and he knows how to provide it. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord God, we want to thank you for this uh, wonderful reminder of your good and gracious provisions to us. Thank you that we are your people, your children, whom you love deeply and dearly. Thank you that, oh, as a wonderful Heavenly Father, you know how to good, give good gifts to your children. And thank you, Lord, that you invite us to ask for them. Lord, we, we ask for your sustaining grace at work in our lives. We ask for refreshment, uh, reviving, uh, renewal. We ask you, Lord, for encouragement. Look, God, we recognise that church life and church ministry can be really hard at the moment. You know that. You know the things that we're going through. And we thank you, Lord, that we know that you also provide. You have in the Lord Jesus, and you continue to uh, each and every day. So we pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.